may be seated. Amen. Welcome all to our uh, first day, or not really first day, but this is our first day in our church to host this Soul Winning Revival 2023. And it is a blessing to see you all. And uh, of course, we have our uh, guest speakers lined up, you know, this week. And it is a real blessing to, you know, uh, to have these men from um, very far, far places. And uh, again, uh, we, we used to have this, and we, we, we are used to this already. And this is not new to us. And I just, um, you know, I'm just glad that uh, we have this again this year. And again, uh, expecting the, the, the uh, blessing of the Lord through His Word. And we'll just, you know, energize our, you know, our, our spirit here in our uh, soul winning revival. So again, uh, before we go to the, um, you know, the speakers this time, we will. I would like to acknowledge our uh, brothers and sisters from uh, different places. Um, Puli, Puli, can I have the, you have something there that uh, I need to, okay, the, the visitor's card, no visitor's card, but that's okay. Uh, I would like to acknowledge first and foremost the, uh, the brothers and sisters uh, of uh, GLBBC headed by Pastor, uh, uh, sorry, Pastor Jason, <laughs> oh no, I got lost. Um, Pastor Jason, could you uh, please stand? And this is Pastor Jason and the whole church of um, JLBBC. Amen. We are so many of them. And praise the Lord that, you know, uh, they are here tonight. Please be seated, Pastor Jason. And um, is there any other uh, churches here that are represented in this um, group tonight? Do we have from um, Pastor Galan's church, the North Shore Bethel? Uh, Missionary Baptist Church. All right, there's none. Um, any other, you know, um, member from any church? Okay, so the rest of these people are from Mount Zion. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, we just we just thank the Lord that uh, we have the JLBBC tonight, and we have also uh, some visitors from different um, parts of uh, the country. We have Sheena from, what's the name of your place, Sheena? Ashburton. Ashburton in South Island. And of course, we have uh, Sophie from Hamilton. All right. So, welcome all. Thank you for coming. I would like to see from Mount Zion Bible of the Church. Please stand. Uh, there are a few of them. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. And um, again, uh, this is not new to us. This um, activity is um, is here for many many years. I don't I don't really think that we miss one uh, or so many years um, of the soul winning revivals. And if I if we miss maybe only few of them. But again, we are we are so glad that um, um, this is organized by Pastor Howell. He's been working so hard, um, you know, throughout the year preparing for the speakers line, lining up for our uh, revival meetings and also you know the, the the bookings and i know i know a lot of things a lot of works are done behind the scene that we do not know but i would like to acknowledge pastor louis howell in working all this hard labor pastor howell is our beloved friend 
um, Sunshine Baptist Church in Pakatani. And again, uh, we owe this to Pastor Hamel uh, of his labor. And we are just, you know, um, we are just um, um, reaping the labor of Pastor Hamel here. But I'm glad that he has his heart into this. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad that I am uh, one of his uh, friends in this ministry, in this um, uh, so many revival. Uh, again, uh, we acknowledge here we have um, Brother James Starr. Brother James Starr, praise the Lord. Brother James right there. And also we have uh, Sister Anna. Sister Anna, praise the Lord. Welcome. Thank you for uh, being with us tonight. So, again, um, we just, uh, we will acknowledge our speaker later on, but before we go to that, we have a special number. We have a um, group that will sing tonight, and uh, as they come to sing, uh, I would like to request our usher. We will have our uh, offering. This is not for, for um, you know, the non-members of our church, but if you are keen of um, giving, if the Lord impress upon your heart, you are welcome to do so. Uh, but this is for, for all our members who are ready to give. So let's um, take our offering. <clears throat> Ashes, please. All right, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for all the, um, the things that you have done. And Lord, you have already spoken to so many of us in the previous messages um, in this uh, soul winning revival. And Lord, we are asking that you, you will still, again, Lord, uh, speak to us, especially in this crowd tonight, that Lord, you will um, convict our hearts and Lord, um, attune us. Uh, unto, unto your will, and that, Lord, all of us will be obedient to that. Lord, bless also our offering tonight. I pray that um, this will be used for the furtherance of your word and to help our uh, speakers and, and these um, um, missionaries that travel uh, very, very far to reach to us, O oh God, and to share to us the blessing of your word. And Lord, I pray that um, you will be um, honored and everyone, Lord, that will participate will give honor to your name. Bless all of us tonight in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Uh, before I call our speaker tonight, uh, I would like you to um, be aware of our um, activities um, tomorrow. Tomorrow, young people, uh, we have um, youth rally uh, together with um, Brother Micah McCurry. And uh, that will be hosted by our friend, uh, Pastor Jason's Church and TLBBC. So all, all our youth um, are requested to join tomorrow. And if you need some um, transportation, let me know so that I can arrange the pickup for those of you who need uh, transportation. And if parents, if you can, um, you know, if you are available to drop the children off, that would be very, very helpful. And again, um, we thank the Lord that our children can have uh, this kind of activity and also uh, the youth activity tomorrow. Uh, it will be a great blessing for them. All right, so just um, be, be aware of that. And also in the evening, um, we will have the same like this. We will have um, the second round of our community uh, revival in our church and also on Sunday. So we have a full-on activity um, coming in here. So tonight, um, I would like to I would like to um, uh, introduce our our speaker. Our speaker has been here uh, for several times or few times uh, before, uh, speaking in the same um, subject about soul winning, and he's been he's been a tremendous blessing uh, to so many of us, especially the messages that uh, have been brought. Uh, to us in, uh, in, a, in a very, uh, very easy to understand and uh, very um, well, well explained um, topics about salvation and, and also uh, soul winning. Uh, our speaker is Pastor Dennis Lilleman. Um, he, he grew up in, um, what's the name of that town? Philadelphia. Uh, in the state of Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, sorry, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. All right, all right, the, the city of Philadelphia. All right, and then um, Pastor Pastor Dennis Lederman is um, um, pastor of um, uh, Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church, and he's been here with us for so many occasions, and he's been he's been um, you know I think he he can recognize some of our faces, uh, so I. You can recognize him easily. And again, we will welcome our uh, first speaker tonight, Pastor Dennis Lederman. Amen. It's wonderful to be back at Mount Zion Bible Baptist Church. Amen. Uh, Psalm chapter 85, if you would turn in your Bibles there. Psalm chapter 85, it's great to be back in New Zealand. I love your national anthem. What a Amen. great, that word is great. Uh, New Zealand needs revival. Yeah. Doesn't it? Needs yep. the Lord Jesus Christ. United States of America needs revival. And uh, that's what our churches are all about. That's what these meetings are all about. Uh, having a, a so many revival meetings. And that's what we're praying for. I appreciate Pastor Hal's vision and his burden to stir churches up and get the gospel out to everybody around. Thank you, Brother Hal. And he invited me down 19, or not, not 19, uh, uh, 2015, had the first meeting down in Pakatani. I'm curious, is there anybody here was at that very first meeting down there uh, and camping out? Some of y'all were camping out, went fishing and preaching, had a good time. And uh, is there anybody here, you've been in every one 
of the uh, revival, uh, soul winning revivals. Uh, anybody here been in? Everyone, you didn't miss one. God bless you. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, I enjoy coming down here, coming down to New Zealand, and uh, love your country, love your people, love your preacher, a good friend, and uh, your church means a lot to me, and uh, and uh, just thrilled about it. I called my wife the other day, just checking in, and uh, she was very angry at me. She was mad at me. And I said, well, why are you so mad at me? She goes, you're lazy. I'm mad at you for being so lazy. I said, I didn't even do anything. Why would you be mad at me? Did you get it? I didn't do anything. Oh, brother, that's uh. Somebody said, preacher, stick to preaching. Drop the jokes. I want you to do something. I want you to look at the person beside you. Go ahead. Look at the person beside you. And repeat after me. <laughs> Say, I'm glad. I don't look like you. people, isn't it? Praise the Lord for the church. And uh, I'd rather be in church on Sunday night than anywhere else I can think of. I love God's people. And I love the feel that I get when I get together with God's wonderful people. And uh, it is a blessing. God bless last night up with uh, uh, North Shore Bethel Bible. North Shore Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. I thought our church name was long. But uh, we had a wonderful time there. I appreciate many of the folks. Many of y'all came up for that meeting. We had a good meeting last night. And then Wednesday night, we were with Brother Jason. And uh, we had a good meeting there. And just getting started. Uh, I think today is kind of the kickoff for the weekend. Uh, for the meetings this weekend. I hope you'll be out to every one of these meetings. Hey, let me say this. Let's get these young people out tomorrow, okay? Let's do that. Make some phone calls. Get these young people out. I tell you, that's the future of our church. These young people, we got to win them for Christ. If we don't win them for Christ, this world will drag them out into the world. And you know what the world will do to our young people. And so, um, uh, praise the Lord for that. Then tomorrow night, I hope you'll be out. Be in your places Sunday morning. You know what the best thing you can do to make your church successful? The best thing you can do to make your church successful is be faithful to every service. Amen. Just be there. That does more to build your church and help your church just being there. There's a lot of other things we can do. But uh, I found out I can't help my church if I'm not there. Not much I can do for it. So uh, I want to encourage you to do that. Psalm chapter 85. And I want to begin reading in verse number 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 7. But when we get to verse 6, I'd like for us all to read that together. Psalm 85. I'll begin in verse 1. I'll read down through verse 5. We'll all read verse 6 together. And then I'll read verse 7. Everybody got it? How many people have a Bible? Say amen. 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 If you brought your Bible, you might as well open it up and use it. Let's just uh, uh, do that. Okay? Are you ready? Verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Selah. Now that little word Selah means just stop and meditate on that for a little bit. How many folks here tonight you're saved, you know it, say amen. Amen. You know, it would be good for us to just stop every now and then and think about how good God's been to us. Amen. Amen. 
Some of y'all, some of y'all, you remember what you were before you got saved? Amen. Oh, God forgave us and gave us a new life. And not just a new life here, eternal life in heaven. Let me just throw this out there. If by chance there's someone here tonight, you're listening to me, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm telling you, that's the most important issue in your life. Right. Getting those sins forgiven. If a person dies in their sins, they are separated from God for all eternity. The worst thing that can happen to a person is to die in their sins. And so those of us that are trusting Christ, praise the Lord, our sins are forgiven. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And that's what he's saying here. He said, now stop to think about that. Now let's read on. Verse 8. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Now look what he says, verse 4. Turn us, O God, of our salvation. Cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? All right, verse 6, all together. You got it there? Let's read it together. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And then he says in verse 7, Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Grant us thy salvation. Would you read verse 6 with me just one more time? Let's read that together. Ready? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. We have soul revival. The theme for our revival this year is open, uh, open their eyes. We want the eyes of the lost to be open to see their need of the saints. We want them to see how wonderful the Lord Jesus is and how willing and how eager and able he is to forgive all their sins. <clears throat> Give them a new life, eternal life. We want them to see that. But I want to suggest tonight, here's, here's what I want to say tonight. Until we have God send revival in our heart, we're not going to be very effective at seeing the unsaved eyes open. Right. Yep. We need revival. Uh, anybody here concerned for the spiritual condition of your country? Anybody here say, man, my country, I am for America. You watch the news at all, man. I think America is under God's judgment, to be honest with you. And you say, America needs revival. I don't think America needs revival. I think the American churches need revival. Yeah. I don't think New Zealand needs revival. Revival's not going to come from, where's the, what's the capital of New Zealand? <laughs> revival's not coming from Wellington. I'll tell you where revival will start. It's in your church, in your church, in your yep. local churches. Right. And this psalmist says, Wilt thou not revive us again? Oh God, we need revival. So let's pray together. My, my message is, Wilt thou not revive us again? I want God to send revival. Let's pray. Father, I ask now that you would bless. Lord, we met together tonight in your name. We're not here for any other reason than for your glory. And we want you to meet with us. And I pray with all my heart, your presence will be here tonight in a very real and powerful way. I pray you convict us where we need conviction. I pray you challenge us, our faith, where we need to be challenged. I pray you encourage some of us. Some folks need encouragement tonight. And Lord, I know this. I've been around long enough. I know this. We need revival. We're asking you, Lord, to revive us again. I yield my will to you. I present my body anew in this hour. 
And Lord, with all my heart, I plead with you that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that you would speak through me and speak to every one of our hearts, young and old. And help us to see our need of revival so that we can show this old world they can see their need of a Savior. And I ask this now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Preachers preach sermons for various reasons. Sometimes a preacher will preach a sermon on Sunday morning simply because uh, it's a passage in the Bible. It's a biblical truth. Uh, maybe a preacher is reading in his daily devotions and he comes across a verse of what really sticks out in his mind. And the Lord just speaks to his heart about it. And that verse catches his attention. And he thinks, boy, uh, maybe that's something I ought to preach on. He looks at it, prays over he studies it. And he brings a message from something he gets in his daily devotions. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to rebuke anybody or anything. But I'm just saying this. Every preacher ought to have daily devotions. Amen. Every preacher ought to spend some time alone just in the Bible, not studying, not preparing a sermon, just letting God speak to my heart. Every preacher ought to do that. Amen. Let me take it another step. Every Christian ought to do that. Yep. Yep. If nothing else out of this message tonight, if you're not spending having a regular time every day where you get alone with the Lord and you just read the Scripture, it doesn't have to be a huge uh, amount, but you just read the Scriptures, let God speak to your heart from His Word, and then you pray and pour your heart out to God, every Christian ought to spend a little bit of time every day meditating on the Word of God and praying to the Lord. Amen. Yep. I don't, think we'll, I don't think you'll have revival in your heart and life. That's right. right. So sometimes the preacher is reading his Bible in the morning of an evening maybe, and a verse just stands out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, a verse just stands out. And maybe he'll preach on that. Maybe he's preaching a series. I know on our Sunday evening services, I preach series. We're going through First Peter right now. I'll just go verse by verse, and I preach that verse because it's there. Wednesday nights, we're doing a series on the life of David. And I just go through the life of David. So sometimes a preacher will get up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or whenever your midweek services, and he'll preach a message. Simply, it's something he got from the Word of God. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. We ought to preach all the Bible. The whole council. Sometimes a preacher will preach a message because it's a certain time of the year or there's a calendar, something going on. For instance, at Christmas time, a lot of times preachers will preach on Christmas, the birth of Christ. And that's good. But the calendar sometimes will suggest what he should preach on. Uh, it's Valentine's. My wife and I got married on Valentine's Day. I am very romantic God. <laughs> And uh, but not only that, but I have a reminder every year when our anniversary is, because they advertise Valentine's Day. And so maybe a preacher on Valentine's Day, what do you think a preacher might preach on Valentine's Day? I preach on love. Love. <laughs> One year, I don't know why I did this. It was the Lord let me. I know it was. But Sunday, uh, Valentine's Day was on a Sunday. That morning we sang songs about love and we had decorations of love. And uh, I preached on the reality of hell. <laughs> My wife was so mad at me. She goes, why did you preach on hell on Valentine's Day? I said, because God told me to. Sometimes the calendar dictates to a preacher what he ought to preach on. 
sometimes a preacher preaches a message because it's burning in his heart. That's right. It's something that is heavy on his heart. We have so many revivals. You know why? Because it's a it's a truth, it's a need that is burning in the heart of Brother Hal, Brother Kabila, Brother uh, Brother Jason, myself. Sometimes a preacher, and some, and you can sense it sometimes. That preacher will get up there. He's not pre just preaching biblical truths, and that's fine. But sometimes he's preaching the passion of his heart. It's burning down inside. And that's the message tonight. And I think I just want to be honest with you. I just want to be open with you. I just want to be real. And I'm telling you, in my heart is a desire for revival. Amen. We need revival. Yep. I like to read biographies. I like to read history, church history. And I read back of years gone by, of days gone by, when in the churches, our churches, the Spirit of God would meet and He would move and people be convicted of sin and lives would be changed and souls would be saved and entire communities would be affected by the presence of God in the church of God and in the people of God. Revival. I'm telling you, I think we are in the last days. No doubt. If you, if, you, if you don't think so, you haven't been paying attention the last three years. We are. The Lord's coming back anytime now. And we desperately need revival. Amen. My church needs it. We all need it. I, and so a preacher will preach from his heart. He wants to see uh, backsliders reclaimed for the Lord. He wants to see uh, those prodigal sons that grew up in the church and know the truth and they heard the old hymns and they heard the old preaching from the King James Bible and they wandered away. And we want the Spirit of God to move and we want the presence of yep. God and we want revival and yep. see these young people come back to the Lord. Amen. That's what we need. Yep. We want to see old drunkards get saved yep. and, and dry up and be sober again. Amen or not? Yep. We want to see folks out living in sin and fornication, coming to know the Lord and being pure and clean in their hearts and minds again. Amen. And only God can do that. Yep. And only God can save a soul. And only God can change a life. And only God can make a liar and make them honest and pure. Yep. Revival is necessary. Revival. I don't know who the psalmist is that penned Psalms 85. I like to study the background of these psalms. I like to uh, look and see you know, who penned that. Now, I don't know who the penman is, but I do know who the author is. Yep. The author is God Almighty. Yeah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yeah. And he uses people, he uses men. But we're not told, if you look above verse 1 there, there's no name given. Sometimes it'll say a psalm of David or a psalm of Asaph or a psalm of Moses sometimes. But there's no name given. Anybody notice that? You look there, see, there's no name. So we don't know who the penman is. I got looking and studying from Bible scholars and commentaries. I thought, what's the context? What's the background that prompted him to pen this? And we don't know. We're not told. We don't know what the, the background is. Sometimes a psalm will say a psalm of David when he was in the cave of Adullam. 
But this one doesn't say anything. It just says there, it just says to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah. It's just somebody penned this under the inspiration of God. We don't know what the circumstances were. We don't know what the background was. They wanted the Israel to say it. But I do know this. As I looked at this, whoever this guy is, he was sure burdened for his people. Amen. He was concerned for his people. Uh, he had a deep concern for the nation of Israel. I want you to notice with me, if you would, look at verse number four there. He says, turn us, O God, of our salvation. Turn us, O God, turn us. I don't know what the circumstance was. I don't know what the situation was. I don't know what the background of all this, but whatever it was, the nation of Israel was drifting away from the things of God. God's people had made a turn, a, a turn away from the Lord. And he says, Lord, turn us around. We're going the wrong direction. Lord, we're going the wrong way. We're headed to the wrong destination. We need you to turn this ship around and get it back where it ought to be. And I'm telling you, in 2023, churches all across New Zealand, all across America, all around the world are drifting away from the old word of God. Yeah. And we're drifting away from godly standards. And we're drifting away from that which is right and true and good and pure. We're drifting away from soul winning. And whoever this guy was, he said, God, your people are turning the wrong direction. Turn us back, O oh God. Turn us back, O oh God. Look there with me, if you would, at verse number uh, uh, 6. We read it. Wilt thou not revive us? Whatever it was, whatever the situation was, God's people needed revival. Yeah. He said, Lord, we're cold and dead. We're not what we once were. There was a day when our buildings were filled with the people of God. There was a day when our songs were sung from our hearts. And now there's a coldness and there's a deadness among God's people. We need a revival. I don't know what the background, I don't know what the situation was. But I know whoever this fellow was, he saw God's people going the wrong direction. He saw God's people getting dead and, and cold and hard and indifferent. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 7. Notice he says, show us thy mercy, O Lord. Whatever the situation was, this guy looked out at the people of God. And they have lost their vision of God. What did the problem? What's it say in Proverbs? Where there is no vision, people perish. I preached last night. Some of you were there. I preached last night on why we don't win souls. I think one of the reasons is we've lost our vision of what God is able to do. Somebody said to me one time, they said, oh, preacher, this is the last stage. We're not going to see God do great things. I'm here to tell you, God ain't dead. Amen. Yep. The gospel has not lost its power. Yep, that's right. And the Holy Spirit of God is just as real and just as alive as He has ever been. Yep. It's we've lost our vision. That's true. Yeah. We need Lord show us again. Lord, we we need you to show yourself in our services. Reveal yourself to us. Yep. And so He's burdened for His people. His people had gotten lukewarm in their love for the Lord. Oh, they didn't hate the Lord. None of, none of God's people said, I hate God. No, they didn't say that. 
Only a fool would say that. Amen or not? Yep. Oh, they didn't hate the Lord. They just didn't love Him very much. You know, it's possible not to hate someone, yet not love them either. And God rebuked the church in Revelation. He said, you've left your first love. Let me ask you a question tonight. Has there been a day when you really loved the Lord? You just loved Him. And now He's just commonplace. All the Bible's just the Bible. Where before it was so precious. Oh, God's people didn't hate the Lord, but they just didn't love Him like they should. The Lord wasn't very high on their love list. I read a preacher, biography of a preacher... And I think it was F.B. Meyer. I believe it's correct. I'm correct on that. And uh, he was fixing to get married. And he and his wife were traveling. And his wife said to him, uh, I believe it was F.B. Meyer. His wife said to him, F.B., is there anyone? This is before they got married. They're fixing to get married. She said, is there anyone in the world that you love more than me? (laughs) And to her shock and amazement, he said, Yes, there it is. Who? FB, who do you love more than me? He said, I love the Lord Jesus supremely. Amen. And she said, Oh, then I know we're going to be just fine. <laughs> Fellas, I don't think you'll love your wife like you ought to until you love the Lord like you ought to. That's true, yeah. Ladies, you're going to have a hard time loving your husband like you ought to until you love the Lord like you ought to. You say, well, you knew my husband. You know why it's so hard to love him. (laughs) Oh, but I know God, and he can give you love, great love in your heart for your husband, even if he is a knucklehead. (laughs) Oh, God's people didn't hate God. They just weren't in love with him. He He wasn't a high priority in their life. Oh, they go to church, but it didn't really do much for them. And the psalmist said, God, revive us again. We need that love back. Uh, God's people, uh, they, they uh, weren't that real concerned about doing right. They didn't really want to do wrong. But doing right wasn't a big concern. If it was more, I don't really want to do wrong, but... You know, if I just cut corners here, if I just if I just tell a little white lie there, it'd be a whole lot easier. I'll tell you what, a little lie now might make it easier now, but down the road it's going to be big trouble. I, I, I came across this quote recently. Nobody ever goes into deep sin until they get into shallow sin first. People end up messing their lives. Christians end up ruining their lives and ruining their testimonies. Not because they jump out into big, deep sin. It's because they're not really concerned about doing right in the little areas. The psalmist looked out and said, we need revival. We're not doing right. There's little things here and there. The little, little foxes are spoiling the grapes. We're allowing little sins in. Hey, we're watching garbage on that television. There was a day we would have never watched that. Now we watch it. Looking at, we're looking at things. Uh, we're looking at things on our computers and our and our uh, our, um, uh, our our smartphones. 
I think these things can be pretty dumb if it draws you away from the Lord. Yep. Right. Yep. Would have never looked at that stuff. But our hearts grown cold. And our love for the Lord has grown cold. And we need revival. Yep. God's people, they, they didn't hate God, but they just didn't love Him very much. They didn't want to do wrong. They weren't real concerned about doing right. And they didn't want anybody to go to hell. If he'd have taken a poll, how many people want people to go to hell? Everyone said, no, we don't want anybody to go to hell. But they weren't doing anything to get them to heaven. You ask your average Baptist, do uh, you want anybody to go to hell? They said, no, I don't want anybody to go to hell. Ask them this, what have you done recently to get anybody to heaven? Well, you know, I'm busy. I'm kind of shy. We've got how many tracks back there, Brother Hal? There's 30,000 gospel tracks back there. He said, I'm afraid to talk to people. All right, then just give them a gospel track. There was a day when churches, when the church of Jesus Christ was on fire for souls. Yep. Read the right. book of Acts. Everybody went everywhere preaching the gospel. But we've lost our vision. We've lost our, we don't want anybody to go to hell. Good heavens, we don't want anybody to go to hell. Well, we hardly ever preach the gospel. We hardly ever go out and win souls. We hardly ever talk to anybody. And so the psalmist is looking out over his the people of God. And his heart is stirred and his heart is broken. And he said, Lord, turn us. We're going the wrong direction. We're getting worldly and we're getting uh, we're losing the power of God. And Lord, we need revival. Our love for you has grown cold and indifferent. Our hearts are hard. Brother, there was a day when a preacher preached on sin and God's people get convicted and they'd be at that old altar and say, God, forgive me. I confess my sin. There was a day when a preacher preached on hell. There was a day when those old-time Baptist preachers preached on the wrath of God and the judgment of God and God's people in fear would humble themselves before him and say, Oh, God. Save my mama, save my dad. And there was a day, listen, I, I've seen this. There was a day when the old time altars, when after the end, it would be filled with God's people weeping and praying. And when they went back to their seats, that altar would be tear-stained. Because people were burdened for lost souls going to hell. And they prayed for their family, our brothers and our sisters sinking down. Our mothers and our fathers. The psalmist looked out and said, God, we need revival. And I'm telling you, in 2023, my church, your church, churches around this world, we need revival. Amen. We need a moving of the Spirit of God yep. in a mighty way. Yep. Revival. The church was born in revival. What is the concept? What do we mean by revival? Well, the word itself, and you probably know this, many of you know this, the word itself it simply means to make alive again. Revival, to renew life. Sometimes uh, it'll, be a, 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 it'll be a revival of physical life. In other words, sometimes there'll be an accident or somebody maybe have a heart attack and they pass out and they're unconscious and maybe they're almost dead and they take those... Um, 
uh, what are those things called? They put them on their chest. Defibrillator. Defibrillator. And they'll put that, and that person, you think, oh no, they're dead. And they'll put them on their arm. <laughs> and what do they say? They say they are what? Revived. Oh, they were gone, but they're revived. That's what the word means. That's the idea behind it. Uh, sometimes it might be, uh, uh, they'll use the term in relation to an economy. Economy is real bad. Oh, our economy is awful. It's uh, inflation and uh, recession. Oh, re and then they'll change some laws or something will happen. And all of a sudden, our economy is revived. And people are doing well. It was bad. It was hurting. And now it's well and we're prosperous. Uh, sometimes it has to do with hope and strength. Somebody is in a situation they think there's no hope. I don't see any way I can come out of this. I don't see any way I'll pay these bills. I don't see any way. Oh, I'm so discouraged. I'm just depressed. And then God will do something or somebody will come along and put their arm around and say, come on, there's hope. And they get, they get their mind back thinking right. And they come out of it. They say, I was discouraged and depressed, but I've been revived. My hope is revived. And so that's the idea behind the word when he says, will that not revive us again? Bring that life back to your church. Bring that hope back to your church. Bring that spiritual prosperity back to your people again. So the concept of revival is very simple. It means bring it back to where we ought to be. Revival is the supernatural restoration of spiritual life. Supernatural awareness of God's presence. And, and then I want us to notice, first of all, the concept. Second of all, real quickly... They uh, cry for revival. If you would, look at this psalm, this whole chapter here, Psalm 85. Look at it very carefully, and you'll see that it is a prayer. This whole psalm is a prayer. He's talking to God. And he's praying to God for revival. Revival comes in response to prayer. I want to suggest to you, praying for revival... Is more effective than preaching on revival. This is what I'm saying. I'm preaching on revival tonight. I'm preaching my heart. But I'm telling you, just dear one godly, a dear old godly lady that begins to pray and pray earnestly for revival can be more effective in bringing revival to the church than me up here preaching on it. Teenage girl, heart stern, heart I don't want my church to be dead. I don't want people to die and go to hell. I want to see people say, I want to see the power of God. And maybe just a teenage girl starts to pray and pray earnestly for revival. I say that's more effective than a bald, fat preacher from America getting up, hooting, and hollering. Huh? It's a prayer. Revival always begins with prayer. Always. If my people, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? Pray. If you don't get anything else out of this message tonight, I just pray that a couple folks will get a burden to pray for revival. For the power of God, the presence of God again. We were uh, in, what was the first, what was the year we were, first time we were in Sydney? 18? 
2018. We were over in Sydney and we went down. Remember the year Byron Cox was here? We were over in Sydney. We were in some area. We were giving out tracts, witnessing people. Brother Cox was talking to this fellow from India. And I don't know why, but he brought him over here. He said, Brother Leatherman, this guy from India wants to get saved. Why don't you talk to him and tell him how to get saved? And I didn't say this because I'm a nice guy. But I thought, why don't you just tell him how to get saved? <laughs> and so I said, okay. And so I took my little soul in the Bible out. And we leaned over along the wall there. And I went through the plan of salvation very carefully and talked to him. And I'm, te I'm telling you, some of you all are going to know what I'm talking about. In sharing the gospel with this guy, the presence of God was there. Some of you all know what I mean by that. Yep. And this guy was under conviction. Sinner? Oh, who's a sinner? Hell, so wages of sin is death. I, oh, he knew that. He didn't want to go there. Jesus loves you and died for you. It's very, very good. He said, I believe that. He called on the Lord to be his own personal Savior. A guy from India just moved here a few months ago, before previous to this. I walked away and I got thinking, I, I don't know this. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But I've got a sneaking suspicion that behind the scenes somewhere, somebody was praying for that old boy to get saved. I wonder if there wasn't some Christian back in India praying that that boy get saved. Or somebody he knew or some family member somewhere praying for him. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. Amen. And revival never comes except by prayer. Right. Prayer. And so this whole song here is a prayer. It's a prayer. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Uh, praying for revival is more effective than singing about revival. Yep. Amen. Praying for revival is more effective than reading about revival. Yep. Praying for revival. One of the greatest hindrances to, uh, to revival is prayerlessness. Yeah. When God's people quit praying, God quits moving. If we don't care, if we don't care if God sends revival, then it will never come. That's right. If we don't really care whether anybody gets saved or not, then nobody's going to get saved. That's true. But when our heart is stirred and we say, God, we need, we're not right. Things are not right. We need your presence. We need your power. I want to remind you. Christianity is not something we work up. It is a supernatural work of God. Yeah. And revival is not something we work up. You've probably heard this before, but the evangelist can't bring revival in his briefcase. Right. He can't buy a program off of Amazon and have revival. That's right. God has to send revival. Yep. Yep. And if we don't want it, he won't send it. Yep. And how badly we pray for it is the indicator of how badly we want it. How badly we want it. You know, we want something. We see something out there. We want it. Boy, we'll, we'll do what we need to do to get it, won't we? I want that new car. I want this. Some fella, some young guy sees a girl. He thinks, oh, oh I love her. And he'll do everything. He'll make a fool out of himself trying to win that girl over, won't he? He'll get from you want it bad enough, we do what we need to do to get it. When we want revival bad enough, we'll start praying and seeking God. Amen.
So the, the concept of revival is making us alive. The presence, power of God. The cry for revival is prayer, prayer, prayer. And then I end with this, the consequences of revival. Look what he says. He said, Will thou not revive us again? Why? That thy people may rejoice in thee. Notice he doesn't say, Revive us again, Lord, so we don't have any more trials or difficulties. He said, Preacher, if we have revival, then I, uh, then I won't have any trials anymore. All my bills will be paid. And I'll have a nice house and everything. You know what? Sometimes revival brings persecution. That's right. The preacher, if, if, if having revival, getting right with God brings persecution, I don't know if I want to. I tell you what, it's better to be right with God than to please this old world. Right. Yep. Yeah. Revival's not going to take away your arthritis. <laughs> huh? Revival's not going to take away our difficulties. It's not going to take away our trials. In fact, read the book of Acts. The more they had the presence and power of God, the more they were persecuted. But they rejoice. Paul and Silas in prison. They're beaten nearly to death. Their hands and feet are in stocks in a nasty uh, prison there in, the Phil in, in, in uh, Philippi. And at midnight, Acts 16 tells us, they griped and complained and murmured and whined. No, it doesn't say that. At midnight, they sang Amen. praises. Amen. They had the joy of the Lord. There was revival in their life. And even in the worst circumstances, they rejoiced. Amen. I'm going to suggest to you, you'll be happier right with God in trials than you will be out of the will of God and prosperous. That's right. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time, brother. You have too. I've seen enough. I've seen people that had everything they want. Everything's going their way. They had everything the world has to offer. And they were miserable. And I got some people in my church. I'm thinking of one couple right now. They don't hardly have nothing. They live in this little trailer. I mean, they just barely get by. I'm telling you, they are as happy as can be. Yeah. Oh, preacher. I mean, his, you should see his pickup truck. I mean, it is like rust held together with duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves it. He comes driving in there. He's right with God and he's happy as can be. Amen. Revival doesn't take away our trials. It doesn't give us fancy cars. It won't buy us big houses. But it will give us peace in our hearts and the joy of the Lord. And something this world cannot give us. Amen. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? A dry, dead Unhappy, backslidden Christian isn't going to be much of a soul winner. Yes. I've come to the conclusion, uh, Brother McCurry, I've come to the conclusion that if we meet the conditions that God puts down for revival, God will send revival. Amen. He's promised that. Let me ask you a question. Does God lie? No. I was talking to a Muslim this morning. We were out witnessing. And he said, uh, Jesus, a God can't become a man. And uh, he said, you got, you got wrong information. I said, well, it's the, what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. He goes, well, that's wrong information. I said, how do you know it's wrong information? Uh, well, the Koran says it's wrong information. I said, what if the Koran is wrong information and the Bible is true? 
And I'm trying to think while I was telling this story. And uh, he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, did you ever happen to you? You start a story and then you can't remember where you're going. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I'll just tell you, pray for Jamal that he gets saved. But uh, uh, the rejoicing in the Lord, a dry day. Oh, here's what I was getting at. <laughs> I said to him, I said, uh, do you believe Jesus would lie? I said, what does the Quran teach about Jesus? He's a great prophet. I said, if he's a great prophet, would he lie? He said, no, he wouldn't lie if he's a great prophet. I said, well, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Mm, did he lie or did he tell the truth? If he lied, he's not a great prophet. If he told the truth, then he's the way of salvation. Amen. Amen. And what I'm saying is this. Would God lie to you and me? If he promises that if his people will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, turn from our dirty, rotten, secret sin that nobody knows about and confess it and forsake it, get thoroughly right with God, you think he'd send revival? Yes, he promised that. And maybe it'd be good to start off the soul winning revival with seeking God for revival. Amen. There was a man in the church where I was at in Indianapolis. I'll end with this. Very dignified man. Wealthy, a good businessman. Dressed sharp as could be. Had nice, beautiful hair. And he came to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Very faithful. But he just attended church. And he'd sit about halfway back, back around here where Brother Matt is, somewhere in there. That's where he always sat. Dressed, sharp as could be. Very dignified. One Sunday night, the preacher preached. And I don't remember what he preached on. I was the assistant. He gave the invitation. And my job was to be down at the front when folks came and pray with them if they needed and directed them to counselors if we needed. I never saw this man do this before. But he slipped out on a Sunday night, very dignified, dressed sharp. And he walked very dignified down the altar. He came over on the side here. I can still see it in my mind. And he knelt down and he began to sob and sob and sob. I mean, the kind of weep. Do you, you ever cry when you're getting. And your whole chest. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He is sobbing. I come over and I knelt down beside him. I put my arm and I said, Brother, can I help you? Can I pray with you? Sob and finally collected himself, got his handkerchief out, wiped off. He says, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my life. I said, What do you mean? He said, When I was a teenage boy, God called me to be a preacher. I said, No. And I want to make money. And I want to live in a nice house. And I want to drive nice cars. And I want to wear nice clothes. And I said, no to God. And he said, now I'm 69. And I've made money. I've lived in a nice house. I drive a nice car. But I'm miserable. I've lived out of the will of God my whole life. I tried to encourage him. Told him, you know, God can still use him. He can get back in the game. Now he still has some time left and he can serve the Lord. And we prayed and cried together. 
And what I'm saying is this. Let's not wait until we get to the judgment seat of Christ and hang our head and say we've wasted our lives. That's right. Amen. And we love the world and we tolerate and sin. Let's have your life. Amen. Let's meet those conditions and ask God to send your life. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, I ask we start this weekend of soul winning revival that you move on our hearts convict us of our sin Lord help us to repent from our wicked pride and humble ourselves and pray and, and seek your face and Lord we ask you to revive us again I know we still got service but would you be alright to give an invitation brother Let's stand together. Our hands are bowed. Eyes are closed. Can somebody maybe just softly play on an instrument? Let's stand together, would you? And maybe tonight some of God's people would like to come here and just make this run an old-fashioned order like they had in years go by. Come, and if nothing else, just say, Lord, revive us again. Would you come as the music plays? How about it? And let's just start this weekend off seeking God, seeking revival like this Psalmist of many years ago, oh Lord, revive us again, turn us. Young and old, young people praying for revival. Grandma and grandpa praying for revival. Mom and dad, on your, in your home, in your personal life, in your ministry. Oh God, revive me. Make me what I ought to be. Fill me with your spirit. Oh God, give our church power again to see souls saved. Will thou not revive us again? Maybe there's a family member, a friend, or a co-worker, somebody near you that's unsaved. Maybe it'd be good to start off this revival meeting at an altar praying for their salvation. God, do what you need to in my life. Make what changes need to be made in my life so I can see them come to Christ. So my witness would be effective. Oh God, revive us again. Revive us again. Christians are praying. The invitation's open. How about it? Maybe even just there at your seat, make that seat an altar to God and say, God, I put myself on this altar. Take me. Do whatever you need to do in my life. Make those changes that need to be made. Convict me. Help me, Lord. Help me.
design, maybe their own personal revival, Lord, that they are praying for. Maybe it's their own family, Lord, that they are praying for. Maybe the entire church. Maybe the entire community, the Amen. entire city. Amen. Lord, it's the entire land. And not just even this land. Even, Lord, the fire land where we all need revival. Lord, we have now revive us again. That thy people can enjoy Amen. Help, Lord, these people at their humble cry for revival. Lord, say to us and draw all the same people here in this room to your service. Amen. That we will all be serving and that we will put our fear into That we will not play with sin. That secret sin maybe that people love so dear. That reluctance in service Lord in the church. Lord, I do not know what exactly the need of your people in the church, but Lord, we know that everything is open in your eyes. And that Lord, you know exactly the reason why we are in this state right now. And perhaps they are all exposed right now in the preaching. Lord, you are our merciful God. Forgive, Lord, your people. And help us to seek your face again. Because that is what you require in order for the revival to come. You said in your word that if my people which are called by my name, first and foremost must humble themselves before they can even pray. And that, not just by complying the requirement of prayer, but we have to seek your face. And that, oh God, we have to make it real in our life that we have to turn away from our wicked things. Then, and only then, that you will hear from heaven will forgive our sin and you will heal our problems you will heal our churches you will heal our families you will heal our relationships you will heal Lord everything that needs healing and you will heal the land Lord thank you for these people that have come and even those people who have left there in their pews I know, Lord, that they also desire. I know that each one of us here tonight desire. Lord, give your people's heart's desire. Thank you for this awakening, Lord. And I pray that this will continue on and we will make, we'll get a pause and, and think over it. And think about your goodness and think about your mercy.
think about also the condition of the people around us. Please, Lord, give us the revival and help us to act according to uh, your desire in our life. Thank you, Father, for working in our hearts. Thank you for the powerful message today. Lord, we commit to you everything now and thank you for uh, using um, Pastor Lenerman and we look forward, Lord, for the great um, message again tonight. We, we thank you, Lord, we praise you, and we stand with Amen. 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 Let's, um, let's take a break. Uh, our break tonight, um, we'll make it very brief, five minutes, and after five minutes from now, our, our singers, our song leader, Brother Matt, will begin to sing, and then uh, just find your place in your seats later on. But we will take a five-minute break, okay? Our toilet is over there. We have a toilet there, and then um, drinks and food may be still open over there. All right, five minutes break.
pray. Um, when the preacher, uh, Pastor Leatherman, mentioned about praying for revival, it brought to mind, I heard a while ago, it was uh, like a reenactment of D.L. Moody. Um, and he was preaching in Scotland one time, in Glasgow, and he preached on Sunday morning, he preached the resurrection, he preached on hell and salvation, and no one got saved. There was no moving, no stirring, and you think this is D.L. Moody. Nobody moved, nobody responded to the invitation. And the lady went back to her house, where she stayed, and she had an invalid sister who couldn't come to the meeting. Her sister was infirm, couldn't walk, had to stay in bed all day. And she couldn't come to the meeting, and her sister said, you know, it was a cold, and she asked, you know, she couldn't come to the meeting, she asked her sister who'd gone, you know, uh, how'd the meeting go, and she said, oh, it was cold, and there was no moving, there was no, no response to the preaching, and she said, well, you know, if, if you told me D.L. Moody was preaching, I would have prayed, and she said, I wish you would, you know, and that evening, she spent, from that time, she spent that whole day praying, and that evening when D.L. Moody preached, as a response to the invitation, 500 people got saved. Just because one invalid, invalid lady who couldn't come to the meeting, she couldn't even get there. She stayed home and she prayed, and God worked in the meeting. So it's not, it is uh, real. If we will pray, then God will answer. Amen. Um, we're going to sing as our second hymn, 369, which is, Is You All on the Altar? A sacrifice life. This needs to be our heart if we want revival. This one, you have longed for sweet peace. Say, you have longed for sweet peace and for victory. Oh, 
transportation, we will uh, pick the people up. And I also uh, request for the adults, if you are free tomorrow, and especially if you are situated in a, in a location like in the west, and, and in central, and maybe somewhere in the city, and also uh, in, the, in the south, where I can handle the south. But if any parents are available to drive from the west, then uh, I think we can cover the entire uh, place and we will just uh, pick up all these young people who do not have transportation uh, to um, Panmir. I think, what's the address in Panmir, Pastor? Uh, 13 Pilkington, Pilkington. 13 Pilkington uh, uh, Road. Yeah, just type uh, Panmir Community Hall. Yes, uh, yeah, type up uh, Panmir Community Hall and it will lead you there um, for the use tomorrow, 9.30 in the morning. So. Um, we will have a good time, and after tomorrow's youth, um, we will come back here in this building that is uh, for our second round of the Soul Winning Revival. Again, a similar uh, setup like what we have right now. We will come early, and then we can have some uh, refreshment. Or if you are coming off you know, from work Saturday tomorrow, but if some of you um, can come early, then there will be food um, to be served, and. Um, yeah, just just come um, tomorrow, and uh, again, uh, we hope that all of us will be will be blessed. And also on Sunday, on Sunday we will have uh, in the morning uh, two preachers. Uh, this is not a regular Sunday. This is a soul winning revival Sunday again, and there will be uh, preaching in the morning. Two two messengers will um, give the message uh, in the morning, and also two in the evening. So. The morning service of our church will be in Mount Eden War Memorial Hall, and the evening service will be in Mount Albert War Memorial Hall. So do not you know, get confused with this. A lot of War Memorial Halls here in this area. So uh, because that's the only place available, that's, that's what happened. So again, um, come tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow for the young people's um, um, uh, rally, in Panmir and the evening service here in this building. Um, I think tomorrow is earlier instead of 5.30, we'll start at 4.30. So come and on and, and Sunday, um, we start at 9.30 in the morning, all the way to two o'clock, uh, including the, the, the lunch will be provided. And in the evening, we will have five o'clock in the, in the afternoon uh, to begin the evening service and all the way to uh, 9 o'clock in the evening on Sunday. So just um, follow on our group chat. We will post all that schedule there. And just, um, you know, um, let me know if you have problem uh, transportation because we can always ask someone or we can always like mobilize a, a, a van in our church to pick up people. All right, so um, tonight let's prepare our hearts once again. Prepare our um, Bibles, get ready with your Bibles, your pen. And we will, uh, once again, um, ask the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts through His Word. Uh, we welcome to our pulpit this time. Uh, hold on, do we have a um, special number? <laughs> okay, and uh, we, will, we, will, we will have the special number because uh, these people, uh, we'll have to give them a chance to sing that special number because they prepared that really, really hard this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's call, let's call them because uh, this is a special day for them. They can render the song. Man.
We need the Bible. And let us not be idols. Let's do the work. Compel them to come in. That's what the command of our um, master. Um, tonight, uh, for the second um, sermon, uh, we'd like to um, welcome to our pulpit. Um, Brother Micah was uh, once a um, former um, associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Okinmore in Ohio, Akron, Ohio. And now he's our um, he's the director, executive director of uh, Bible Tracks Incorporated. And most of the tracks that we have right now that we are using, most of them, you know, I think um, his company is responsible to that. And we are blessed to have uh, in our pulpit right now to welcome Brother Micah McCurry. one of you for being here this evening and we've been treated so very well and I can speak for Brother Leatherman and Brother Howell and I say you folks have gone above and beyond from Sydney to Auckland all over we've had a wonderful time the food's been wonderful the lodging but yeah, thank you so much and your wife as well and uh, as soon as I walked through the door she was trying to feed me and uh, I think that's just the, the Filipino I, I, I'm pretty sure my mother is uh, half Korean by blood, and so I'm very familiar with many of the uh, Asian foods and things like that that I've been eating, and so it tastes like home just a little bit, and so that makes me feel good. appreciate so much for the Leatherman, thank you so much, and I appreciate the friendship and the continued friendship with Brother Howell, though this meeting is the first time you and I have gotten to be person, talk on the phone many a time, and uh, I'm so thankful for those of you that use gospel tracks. You know, it really would be kind of useless, worse than useless actually, if we had shipped well over a quarter million gospel tracks to New Zealand, and there wasn't anyone to put them out. But you folks make that possible. You make it more than worthwhile, and you make it priceless. And I'm so very thankful for the fact that you've done that. Greatly appreciate it. Let me encourage you to come to the Youth Rally tomorrow. If you're able to, bring the young people, send your young people. We'll have a wonderful time. Many of, and you could probably say this for your teams, Brother Leatherman, but many of the great decisions I've made in my life were made at events like what we're going to have tomorrow. I've had the privilege to go to camps and conferences, and many of which were aimed at adults or aimed at the, the normal layman, if you will, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. But it's amazing how if I were to stack up every preaching service I've been in, probably 90 plus percent of them would be, have, would be aimed at the general church population. Less than 10% would have been teen or youth specific. But I would, get, I would hazard a guess that 90% of the important decisions I made in my life were made at the youth-specific meetings. So let me encourage you to not let your young people miss tomorrow. I'm looking forward to what God has for us. I, I have, uh, I believe, a thought from the Lord that I believe would help to us. We also have, we went out today with a Howell and I, and we purchased a bunch of dodgeballs. So we're going to have a wonderful time tomorrow. Even if the preaching is lousy, we're going to have a good time, okay? 
We had uh, Nando's chicken for lunch today, and that was wonderful, and it was a good time. We had a wonderful time passing out some gospel tracts today. Got to talk to a man named Martin about his eternal destiny. He just didn't get saved, but got to leave him with a seed securely planted in his heart and mind. And I look at this Bible, and it's been with me for a, a long while. My wife got it for me some years ago when we were courting or dating or whatever you want to call it. It may have been right after we got engaged. She got me this Bible, and she said something uh, along the lines of, may this book be the foundation of our, of our life together or something in the front. And this coming June 1st will be 10 years of marriage for my wife and I. And I think back on all that God has allowed for me to partake in. I was talking to James a second ago, and he asked, this is first trip out of the country this year, and it is, but got to be in Myanmar, and Burma, Thailand, South Korea, at the very close of last year, and have Europe on the docket for June time frame, and it's likely, it's looking likely that we're going to squeeze a trip to Africa, to Kenya in at some point before the close of this year, and then I look at my travel schedule in the United States, and I'm a very blessed man with what God's allowed me to do. But as I think about what God has allowed, I look back and I reflect on the decisions that were made previously and the messages preached. I don't have the greatest memory. I would guess that there are some among you that you can identify with me. You don't have the most phenomenal memory. I'm not photographic by any stretch of the imagination. If I say your name multiple times when I'm talking to you, it's because I'm doing my best to remember for the next time I talk to you. And if I don't, which is highly likely, just reintroduce yourself again and we can meet each other for the first time, okay? <laughs> but I think back to a message I heard when I was about 16 years old. Brother Leatherman asked me, what are you preaching tonight? I wanted to give him an answer. Something, right? This is like 15 minutes before the service started. I don't know how many messages you added up over the years, how many messages you preached, but you're probably averaging about 1,000 a year, I would guess, something like that. And 30 years, you got a few messages. And three years of evangelism, a few years of social pastor, I don't have quite that many yet. But I have many messages here and, and different thoughts and I thought back, and while you were preaching, I thought back to a message I heard when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I've asked every, every service, I don't normally ask this every single service, but I've asked that people would use their imaginations. So I'll ask you again, don't want to break tradition or anything. 15 or 16, I was sitting on the center aisle Right about, I think right about where you're sitting. Maybe the third row, maybe the fourth row, right about there. But it was a massive gymnasium. Spread out uh, horizontally. So the pulpit was here on a, on a platform. And there were approximately 400 seats in that room. And I was sitting right here near the front. And a man by the name of Ted Houston was preaching. You wouldn't know his name. Unlikely. He pastored for 20-something years in Jefferson City, Missouri. 
near the center of the United States, a faithful man. Towards the end of his life, God called him into evangelism. I say towards the end of his life because I think he was only in evangelism for about eight years or so. Ken Houston dealt with crippling cancer. Now, you got to realize, half a part of me, a quarter of me is Korean, but my mom was half Korean and half Jewish. My dad is half Jewish, and he, the rest of it is Scottish, Irish, German, and a bunch of other stuff. So that makes me a mutt, okay? I don't know if you have, I don't know if you have mutts here in New Zealand, but that makes me a mutt. And so as a Jew by blood, I have a, a special respect for and maybe just a little bit more somberness for things pertaining to the Holocaust. We lived, my father was in the United States Army. We lived for four years in Germany. We got to travel all over Europe when I was a child. I went to Auschwitz, Dachau. These names, I hope, mean something to you, but those are some of the places, the geographical spots, where some of the greatest crimes against humanity were ever perpetuated. And I understand for the many Filipino people, the many people in Southeast Asia, your ancestors are not strangers to crimes against humanity. I've done a little bit of reading on World War II and previous and things, so I'm not downplaying any of those things, but for my family history, the Holocaust worldwide uh, brings to mind some pictures. So when I say Ted Houston, the last five or six years of his life, really almost about the time he went to evangelism, he started dealing, struggling mightily with cancer. In the last five or six years of his life, he was bouncing around between different treatment plans, trying to find something that would help. But when I say most times when I looked at him, I saw the shadow of a Holocaust victim, I don't say that with hyperbole or exaggeration. I'm just giving your imagination some ammunition to describe a man about this tall, a dark cast to his skin, almost looked American Indian, had a little a hint of that to him, but very gaunt. Always was in phenomenal shape. He played Division One football, American football. He was, he was a phenomenal tactician, an analyst, a coach of sports, powerful preacher. But I recall Ted Houston preaching a very specific message just a few years before he died. I did not walk in here today with any intention of sharing this story. This story wasn't anywhere near rumbling around in my brain when you asked me the question of what I was preaching today. But while you were preaching, it brought to mind. He turned in his Bible as he got up in front of 400 men. My father-in-law many years ago started a camp for young men using American football as a tool. The men get preached at 15 or 20 times in the week. The first preaching service is 6 o'clock every morning. After an incredibly arduous, hard day, every day playing football and preaching, imagine these soft, Christian school and homeschool kids that have never worked a hard day in their life being woken up at 5 o'clock in the morning, being told we have church 
very soon. And then they stumble in all bleary-eyed, and then a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary gets behind the pulpit and just blows up for 30 minutes and keeps them awake. Well, Ted Houston, he was preaching, I believe it was the afternoon service. It was normally the morning, the afternoon, and the evening service. It was probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday. And there was something different about that service. He came to the pulpit. I, I knew Brother Houston just a little bit. I had gone to Youth Rallies at his church. I knew he was a very intense man, a very kind, compassionate man, but a very intense man. And he turned in his Bible to Psalm 97. Would you open your Bible to Psalm 97 for just a moment? Psalm 97. Now, I've preached, I don't know, six times maybe. Maybe this is the sixth time, fifth time, while here in this corner of the world. And I, I was talking about styles of messages with Brother Leatherman on the way in. And I enjoy talking about preaching with preachers. And I've kind of, in my short lifetime, arrived at a, a style that I normally preach. And tonight is not that style. I do believe it was what God laid on my heart. You mentioned why you preached that message. Not because of the calendar, not because you're a Bible reading, because of a burning desire of your heart. May I tell you, I, I, I preached tonight for the same reason. In Psalm 97, we're going to look at one phrase. Verse number 10. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. I heard it said many years ago that Christians don't tell lies they sing them. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear. Sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. See, I, I will not re-preach what was just preached, but I would hazard a guess that while this thought of revival was so eloquently explained, so powerfully, and people at an altar, I've got to think for you to love God the way you should you must also hate evil. And I would guesstimate 
that there's a crowd of people that are a mirror to my own soul that don't hate evil as they should. You can't tell me you want revival. You can't tell me you love the Lord. Forget that. You can't tell the Lord you love him if you don't hate evil. You say, this is an odd thought. This is a little unique, a little particular, a little peculiar for a soul winning and discipleship revival. Can I tell you, you will never love sinners until you love the Savior. And you will never love the Savior until you hate evil. Try to tell your wife you love her as you walk hand in hand with your mistress. Friend, I preach this out of the deep conviction of my heart because I don't love God as I should. You know why? Because I don't hate evil as I should. I'm not diving headfirst into what I'll preach tomorrow, but can I tell you, he was just touched on for a moment. But this is a gateway drug to so much wretched evil. And there are men, women, boys, and girls that just lied when you sang about your all on the altar. Right. He that loved the Lord. Hey, people. I, I, I asked Brother Leatherman specifically, in the 30 years you've pastored, what has changed about your preaching? I was just, I was just curious. I was kind of doing what Adrian Levy did not too many days ago and asking some questions, interviewing. Just, I was just thinking, well, what kind of questions do I want to ask? And one of the thoughts that came to his mind was that he preaches with with more compassion than he did years ago. Probably seen more heartache, gone through more heartache, more understanding of where people are at. And I would love to stand before you and preach nothing but encouragement this evening. But our world is going to hell in a handbasket and we stand here applauding and participating in every wretched, filthy thing that it does. And claim to love God. So I asked the question that was asked by Ted Houston. That man had stayed up all night the night before. You've got to realize, football camp as we call it. Man camp is another name for it. It's a very difficult week on everyone, not just the boys. Imagine waking up at 5 o'clock every day and having to herd a bunch of rowdy teenage boys through football practices, through sports practices, through, through preaching services and all those types of things. And it's go, 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 go. 
But in spite of that, Ted Houston knew he was preaching that, that next afternoon. And he stayed up all night the night before, pouring his heart out to God. I didn't know that. We didn't know that because Ted Houston told us. We knew that because after his death, the coach that was sharing a room with him told us during his funeral. It's interesting how, who, who was it, Spurgeon or Moody that took someone on a tour of the, of the old tabernacle and showed someone the engine room where the power actually was? And he opened the door and there were men praying inside. You'll never pray the way you should until you hate evil. Right. I can't tell you how much I don't want to preach this message tonight. Because it hits me right here. Because I can think back in the last 24 hours, the last week, the last month, the last year, and I can think of times when I've coddled evil. And I've allowed it to ingratiate and worm its way into my heart and my habits. Friend, you know what that means? I don't love him as I should. So I asked the question that Ted Houston asked some years ago. Do you love God? Do you love God? The Holy Spirit can do a far greater work than I ever can or ever will. I believe at this moment he is bringing to mind some evil in your life that you need to do surgery on tonight. What a tragic failure it would be to dive headlong into the remainder of this soul-winning discipleship revival with no real chance at revival. I don't know if this was actually one of your points with another man or not, oh, the Lord brought to mind, but do the consequences of revival, the conditions of revival, the cost of revival, the cost of revival is you. What happens to the sacrifice that gets laid up on the altar? It's burnt. It's gone. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. So is Jesus your friend? We always think about that verse talking about what Jesus did for us. Now it's your turn to do something for him, my friend. Amen. After all he's done, there's a song, For all he's done, I'm going to lift my hands and praise him. Friend, I'm glad you've lifted your voice tonight. It's been a marvelous meeting already. Just singing that your national anthem and hearing the richness of those words. But as I thought about it, all I could do was, was to ruminate and meditate on what you would probably agree to be a legislator and a governmental body that does not believe 
the words of their own national anthem. And you say, our nation does not live by that credo, God bless New Zealand. And yet you do the same things with the rich hymns that have been given to us. We sing them as a lie with corruption in our souls. It has already been said, but a revival doesn't need to come to Wellington. It needs to come to God's house. And it begins in the hearts and minds of his people. Because God's house is not a place. It's not a community hall. It's not a war memorial. It's God's people. The one portion of that phenomenal illustration you just shared about that young lady in Scotland that prayed that afternoon for D.L. Moody was that she had been praying for D.L. Moody to come for months and for God to start a revival. You see, revival often doesn't begin after just a few hours of labor, a few hours of emptying yourself. Revival comes because we love him and love him and love him and hate evil and hate evil and hate evil. Why should he come to meet with us when you have such a track record of slapping his face the very next day? Pastors, those of you that have counseled a couple dealing with infidelity, and please know I don't use the illustration to slap at folks that have dealt with such a horrible thing, a difficult thing. But how long will it be before the trust is mended? And how long have you been cheating on your Savior with evil? Do you love him? Or if I began singing, there is a name I love to hear, would you just jump in because that's what we do? Ted Houston passed away. His two-year anniversary of his death was last month and went to his funeral just blisteringly cold. And when I say cold, I mean like negative 10 degrees Celsius. It was absolutely frigid. But I went to the graveside, windy, windchill, stood out there and watched what a man I would call a hero bored into the ground. I always looked up to Ted Houston, thought very highly of him. I would probably say that that message, Psalm 9710, when I say message, he read the verse and broke down. Asking the question, do you love God? Do you love God? And the Holy Spirit did all the preaching for him. In seven minutes after he opened his Bible, the altar was packed. Now I understand what you're saying with a leather man. I, I, I totally completely agree. 
about how the evangelists can't bring revival in a briefcase. But good night, it kind of felt like he did that day. But he didn't bring it in his briefcase. He brought it in a broken vessel. I was sitting right there. I'm telling myself, confess your fault before all. Sitting right there. And from the time he opened his Bible, not a normal church service, you just don't, normally, you don't just get up and go to the altar. That's not the norm, right? We're supposed to be prim and proper and wait and all that. From the get-go, I was like, God, I don't love you. I, and every time he asked, I'd have to say, no, I don't, God. You love God? No, I don't, God. And I was thinking, I need to be down there. I need to be down there. And I was telling myself that for seven minutes. And about 15 seconds before I finally broke, I was thinking, God, I need to get down there. I need to get down there. And I saw a shape go by me. A 16-year-old boy. We, there was over 75 missionaries, pastors, and evangelists in that room. You know who the first one on the altar was? A 16-year-old boy. And boom! Everybody thought. It was like everyone was just waiting on permission. Just one person. Just one person comes, I'll go. And 16-year-old boy. To my shame. Not, it didn't matter. No one was keeping score. When I was a 16-year-old boy, I should have been first. Because I knew God was tearing my heart up. You can push the guilt away by putting money in the offering plate. You can push the guilt away by taking some of those gospel tracts and passing them out. You can push the guilt away by being at every church service of this revival. But none of it actually says you love God. You can't work your way to heaven, and you can't work your way to a better relationship with them either. Friend, do you love God? You know what I still have to answer that question with? 14 years after Ted Houston preached and now is dead and buried in the ground? No. I don't love him as I should. But can I tell you tonight during the invitation I need to confess some things because I need to hate people more. I need to hate people more. I need to hate evil more. Could I ask you, friend, do you love God? Me that love the Lord. Often 
wait for the normal schedule of activities. We follow the rote traditions. I'm tired of insanity. Doing things the same way and getting the same results. I'm tired of it for me. Are you tired of hating evil, uh, of loving evil? And by consequence, hating God? Loving the world is enmity with God. Always has been, always will be. Friend, no music. You can stand if you'd like, but the altar's open. Everything worth having comes at a cost. Why would revival be different? So often, finding God's will 
is not the problem. It's losing our will first. There are some that I am convinced are now closer to revival as a few moments spent in prayer than they were at the beginning of this evening. I say to God the Lord, but now we must act. stand with me. May you not be able to sleep peacefully tonight if you sing this as a lie. But sing with me. There is a name I love to hear. I
And we go from this place with a renewed purpose and renewed vigor to love you as we should. To so desperately hate the sin while at the same time loving the sinner. God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for the message brought by Brother Leavenman. May we carry that with us, please, God. Father, please, when challenged, do you love God? May we be able to answer in the affirmative. Thank you for what you have done. God, we pray in faith, thanking you for what you will do for the glory of your marvelous name. In your son's name we pray. Amen. And the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Now please be seated for a while. What a challenge. And again, that's what I said to you. You know, coming into this uh, meeting tonight and onwards to our, um, our meeting, I always remind you all of this, that this soul winning revival will be a great blessing to you. And this cannot be bought with money. This cannot be bought with anything. This is uh, something that, you know, if you miss this, probably you will miss this for the rest of your life. Okay? This cannot come again. It might be some other blessing of the Word of God come, but not in this manner, in this fashion. But again, we, we thank the Lord for what He has done so far, and this is just the beginning. Tomorrow, uh, I, I, I ask, I urge the young people to join tomorrow for the um, youth rally that will be happening in uh, Panmure tomorrow at 9.30 in the morning. 9.30 in the morning, and then all the way to afternoon. And also, come back here tomorrow evening. Tomorrow at 4.30, this hall will be open, and we will serve food as, you know, as you come, you know, we will start, we will, we will start feeding people, and then by around um, 5 or 5.30, it depends, but we will start our service again. And tomorrow, uh, it's going to be um, Pastor Louis Howell and and Pastor Dennis Litterman will be speaking, and um, again, I, I encourage you to come. If you if you need transportation, just don't be shy. Call me and ask me because we can always find a way. All right. And tonight, tonight we have um, trucks over there. We have trucks available for each one. I would encourage you. I would encourage you tomorrow morning. Wake up early tomorrow morning. Wake up early and just put that in the mailboxes. 100 mailboxes for tomorrow morning is not hard. It's not hard. Just go, go walking around your neighborhood and put that, you know, in the, in the neighborhood. Do not leave tonight if, again, if you love the Lord. This is only, this, there is a little, you know, uh, uh, condition to this. Only if you love the Lord. If you love the Lord, don't, don't leave this building without the tracks over there. I know many of us cannot share the gospel, you know, uh, verbally, uh, because a lot, not, not many of us can, can, can do that. But again, all of us have the hands, the ability to put that in the mailboxes. You don't need to open your mouth there. Just put that in the mailboxes. 
grab that. You have bags over there. And tomorrow morning, hopefully it's not going to rain, but if it rains, then you know it's, it's good to be wet and sending people to heaven. There's nothing stopping. There's nothing stopping us tomorrow morning. Make a goal. It's up to you. You make a 20, you know, mailboxes. I don't know. That's very quick. But 100, I think, is um, is good, substantial, and I think you know um, you will you will gain a blessing to that. 100 um, 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 mailboxes. Put one uh, in each mailbox, and come back uh, in the evening uh, for our evening service tomorrow evening. And I hope that you know you will you will enjoy uh, the same spiritual enjoyment that we have here tonight. All right, so. Uh, don't forget to leave uh, to, to grab something from the back and also if you are uh, we have still food there to, to be shared um, feel free after the last thing to be sung we have to, we will pray then after the prayer uh, we can we can stay for a while for fellowship and um, we, we have some food there to, to share all right let's sing that final hymn brother uh, Matt and we will um, ask someone to pray
close us in prayer this evening. Brother Bob, yeah. Your tracks. Uh, we have tracks over there at the back. Grab some for your uh, use tomorrow. And if you happen to be from outside, it'd be great if you can help pack up. Amen. Rest of you, no obligation.